Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. After Lori Lightfoot's landslide win in Chicago's mayoral runoff, there's been a lot of discussion about how she did it, where her support came from, and the like. But also, and even more important, is the question of what happens next. Organized labor played a big role in the election process and will be a major factor in the months ahead. This weekend, we talk with Chicago's leading labor leader. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Robert Ryder, Jr., president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. It's part of the AFL-CIO, the National Alliance of Labor Unions, and the third largest of the central labor councils. Bob's been leading the CFL since last year. He was secretary-treasurer for the nine years before that, and he was, by his, uh, by his predecessor Jorge Ramirez's side, more than once in these studios. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, the on-air voices you hear here on WBBM are mostly members of SAG-AFTRA, the union for broadcasters, actors, musicians, and others, and that union is a member of the CFL. Bob Ryder, welcome back. Craig, I am super excited to be here, and so is my mother, who's probably beaming with excitement um, listening, listening in her car, driving somewhere on a Sunday morning. So, well, it's always uh, always good to uh, to have the family involved, and that gives us one more listener. Uh, it, it's 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 hard to talk about Chicago elections these days without discussing union support. Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union and the big locals from the Service Employees International Union, back Tony Preckwinkle for mayor, the plumbers, the laborers, and the firefighters, among others, were supporting Lori Lightfoot. And we should point out the CFL itself stayed neutral this time. guess we should establish that first. And, and why did the uh, CFL stay neutral? Well, I think you just explained it by saying, by describing who was for Tony and who was for Lori. So the CFL is a coalition of different uh, unions here in the Chicago area. We represent 300 unions that represent half a, half a million working women and men in Chicago and Cook County. Chicago Teachers Union. SEIU Local One, SEIU Healthcare, SEIU Local Seventy Three are three of our three of our affiliates, as well as the construction unions that you just mentioned. A number of public sector uh, unions, service unions, those in the entertainment industry. Um, so it's it's a pretty broad coalition, and you had folks, um, you know, lining up between either between one of the two candidates or deciding that they couldn't make a decision and just sitting it out. And uh, and that is understandable. In fact, I should probably also uh, point out that uh, SAG after our union doesn't endorse at all ever, uh, and it's in our constitution. So you can understand you don't. Nobody wants to pick sides when you have to work both of them. And not not that I don't push them to, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about what union backing of politicians and working with them as elected officials means these days. Well, the approach that we take at the CFL is that we don't work on their behalf. We are hoping that they work on our behalf and we, we do support different elected officials, but it's contingent on them having a record of supporting us in our issues 
or putting forth a policy platform that really speaks to the working class folks who make up the Chicago labor movement. Um, is that an easier sell in some in a city like Chicago where it prides itself on being a union town? Yeah, I mean we we drive we drive the the spirit of uh, the blue collar ethic here in the Midwest, and yeah, I some people may seem it easier, but you know there's a lot of places uh, between California and New York where you have um, you have different enclaves of strong labor uh, union tradition. So we are the hometown of the labor movement, but we also we also are one of several hotbeds of uh, labor uh, strength throughout the country. Now, political adversaries uh, in the midst of campaigns very often point to campaign contributions from labor uh, as, in their minds, or at least their words, indicating that officials are ready to give away the store to the unions. Uh, what do labor leaders expect from uh, candidates who run for elections saying they're pro-labor or even officials who are already in office who who are ostensibly pro-labor? Well, it's it's not as it's not as simple, I think, as most people think it is. You know, we have we have benchmarks, right? Like anybody does. Every voter who steps into the voting booth, who decides whether they're going to support one candidate or another, they have a list of things in their mind, which says, "Is this person my person? Right? Is this someone who represents my values?" As a as an organization, we're no different. Yeah, we have a lot of organizations that play heavy on um, getting themselves involved in elections, not just with money, but people putting people out on the street and mm-hmm. organizing an effort. But is that any different than what any other community would do? I mean, we, we have a, we have a strong labor movement here in Chicago. And while we're not monolithic, there are points where we pull together collectively under the CFL to push a, a common agenda for everybody, which includes, which includes elections. But this is just part of this is part of the way, um, you know, political organizing as well as other types of organizing, community organizing have worked in this city and other places for, you know, for a century. Uh, Let's talk about today's reality. And that is that there will be a new mayor uh, at City Hall and there will be at least 10 new members of the uh, city council. At what point do you and other CFL officials uh, sit down with Lori Lightfoot or her staff to talk about the challenges facing the city and its workers and uh, the path going forward. So I had a number of meetings with both Lori and Tony Preckwinkle, as well as other folks running for mayor throughout the campaign season. I myself and the rest of the folks on my team at the CFL clearly set out what we are looking for in terms of a next mayor, what we're looking for in terms of a city council that supports, um, working Chicago. They know, they know what we're all about. Those conversations continue. Um, the conversations with mayor elect Lightfoot and her team, we are both, both, you know, through the statements that we're making publicly about the mayor's election and what the future looks like but also direct conversations, you know, to talk about, you know, this is, this is, this was your platform and this is our platform. This is where they intersect. 
we need to move forward on these issues. Um, but let's talk about statements because I know the CTU and SEIU, uh, which strongly backed Preckwinkle, uh, issued a statement after the election that basically, even in the headlines, said their militancy uh, is not dependent on who's in the fifth floor at City Hall. And they say it's their pressure that's gotten officials to support their efforts and they're going to keep it up. Uh, is confrontation what's called for at a, at a point like this? Well, first, let me just note that it was SEIU, yeah. SEIU Local 73, <clears throat> right? right? So there's we have three um, large SEIU locals here in Chicago, SEIU Local 1, SEIU Healthcare, and Local SEIU Local 73. Local 73 represents a lot of public sector folks, including uh, the um, some folks that a lot of folks who work in Chicago public schools. But in terms of, you know, what they're talking about, I mean, hey, the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, SEIU and others pride themselves on their um, political independence and their capacity to organize uh, their members and work with community allies. And I think in a lot of ways they're just they're just stating who they are and i think that's i think that's fine i think that's i think that's appropriate i will tell you craig that i i i personally on behalf of the cfl am looking forward to working with many of the people who are elected to the city council and also to mayor lightfoot if they all say if they all are who they say they are right and 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 i'm walking in with the presumption that they are who they say they are, but my first, my 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 goal in all this is to protect um, the organizations that I represent and their members, and to advocate and fight for them. So you know, I as well as any anyone else who works in the labor movement wants to make sure that there is accountability. Uh, the CTU obviously was making a point about about their history of organizing and pushing back against the status quo. I've got no problem with that, obviously. I respect them for that and one of one of the reasons why I love them, right? <laughs> I have the 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 teachers are a strong part of the federation. Um I have, you know, as the as the person at the federation who represents everyone, I have, you know, my my position in all this is a little bit different and mm -hmm. I have a broader coalition I have to leave, which the CTU is an important part of. I I'll tell you, and, and, you know, I had a, I had a good working relationship with the mayor that at times in the course of last year would get off track a bit. And, you know, a couple punches were thrown here and there figuratively. Mm -hmm. And we were able to still move forward together on, on other, on other projects we could work on. And a lot of ways having that confrontation got us to a place where we could get to agreement. It's going to be no different with any other mayor, right? Whether it's um, Mayor Lightfoot or the person uh, who may or may not come after her. Um, and to be honest with you, with the current with the current mayor, Rom's got a month left. If there's things we're going to work on, we're going to work on them, and mm -hmm. we're going to do it earnestly. We're going to do it. We're going to do it in a way that's you know going to be productive for the city of Chicago. But if you have to have a fight with somebody, let's have the fight. I mean, and I expect there's not going to be, you know, it's not, we're not going to agree on everything. And not every fight is going to be um, a fight of escalation. 
there may be one at some point. I'm not looking for that. I'm not expecting it to happen. But, you know, our job is as labor leaders, um, you know, and I and that I always find that term funny. I mean, labor leader, I actually see myself more as hopefully as a labor activist. <laughs> right. But it's it's to it's to advocate and fight for people. And I'm looking for Lori to be an ally in that. And my hope and expectation is that we won't be fighting with each other. We'll be fighting alongside one another against the forces that want to hold us down. Well, and that is almost certainly going to be the case with a lot of things uh, when we do talk about the legislative uh, uh, things ahead. But, you know, an employer-employee relationship and the labor represents the employees is often uh, adversarial, at least to some degree. And this, Chicago has a lot of major contracts coming up to negotiate. I mean, the uh, police, fire, teachers, and, and others. Um, what's your forecast for how things might go, what the, what the uh, landscape, the atmosphere is going to look like? You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, you know, take it one step at a time. So I come from a union family. My um, father um, was a construction worker. Um, my mother's family, they worked in the railroad. A lot of them worked in the public sector. My, my sister's a school teacher. My brother's a crane operator. So I have, the, I bring the, my values come from all parts of the labor movement, right? And I approach this job the same way. The public sector is a huge, important part of the Federation, as are the other parts. So we have, we have, have this balance between dealing with the city and the county and the state where in some, in some situations for us at the Federation, we look at them as policymakers. And in other situations, we look at them as policymakers in the employer, right? So it's a complex relationship for us versus some of the other folks who see them just purely as an employer or see them as a policymaker versus those who see him just solely as a policymaker who can affect their work with a private employer. I I know from my last eight years um, or my the previous eight years to me becoming president, I got to see um, the city as both an employer and a policymaker. And in some places, we were able to work through some tough issues and get to a resolution with our affiliate unions and in the city that were productive. Sometimes that moved on and sometimes that moved quicker than others, but we were always able to work things out. Right. Um, especially when it came to those folks represented at city hall. And that's not to say that there wasn't a fight to get one particular contract done versus another, but we always got them done. You know, we haven't had a number of public se- sector contracts, um, that just got resolved at the city last fall. Um, there's a few that are still open. Um, but I will say that, um, including the, I, th- I believe the fire contract is still right. open. Um, and some of the other folks over at OEMC, but you know, we get there, we get there. I, I think if, uh, the, the table of labor relations, I think has been, um, has been someplace where we've been able to function pretty efficiently at city hall. Now I'm not speaking on behalf of the other sister agencies cause they all have their challenges, which come from different directions cause their fundings are funding streams are different and whatnot. But 
I, I always see a path forward. I always see a path forward. It's not whether a, a compromise or an agreement can be reached. It's whether the parties are willing to get there. And I know from my side of the table with my affiliate unions, they're always willing to do what's best for their members and for the city of Chicago. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about the labor movement, its future, and with the future of the new mayor of Chicago. We're with Robert Ryder, the president of the Chicago Federation of Labor, and we will continue our discussion in just a minute after this message. How do you win an election in 2020? Winning elections is about reaching the right people with a message that is relevant and impactful. Sin Fronteras Media provides the strategic direction, effective multicultural messaging, laser-focused targeting, and careful execution to winning campaigns across Illinois. This is Jason Bauman from Sin Frontieras Media. I want to invite you to visit WeWinInIllinois.com to learn how we can help you leverage digital, data, and effective messaging to win your next election. Let's uh, let's start talking about uh, some of the things that are really challenging labor. These have been challenging times. Uh, when former Governor Rauner was uh, trying to encourage right-to-work laws across the state, now there's legislation that uh, would ban local right-to-work laws. Uh, are the, is the ascendancy of uh, of J.B. Pritzker to the governor's mansion uh, a, an encouraging sign? So far, so good. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the um, policies that J.B. has put out um, right up front, raising the minimum wage um, statewide, where it'll get to... Uh, fifteen dollars by the year twenty twenty five. You know the fact that he's uh, working to resolve um, disputes that Governor Rauner carried on for years with um, organizations like AFSCME and SEIU Healthcare. I'm very optimistic, but again, like with anything else, I think Governor Pritzker's been doing a great job. But when we get to a point where he we may come to disagreement, you know we'll. You know, if that happens, we'll call him on it. But I got to tell you, we have, this has been so refreshing. Four years ago, like you said, Craig, Governor Rauner was going municipality by municipality trying to move these things that he called right to work zones or opportunity zones. Yeah, that's, you know, complete, complete nonsense. And we won these fights municipality by municipality at a rate well over 95%. I think we were at, we may have been at 99%. He was getting shellacked. He was, he was, he was every time he went to a doorway, the door would slam in his face. That was the organizing power of our affiliate unions all across the state between us and the Illinois AFL CIO. We were able to help our, um, our, our unions across the state pull together and fight back. At one time, I had someone in my office every day looking through every agenda at every municipality to see if the governor was trying to slip something on a municipal agenda. And as soon as we caught one of these things, our rank and file, not our not our staff or our elected leaders, they went too, but our rank and file showed up at all of these village board meetings. The people who lived in those commi- communities said, this is not for us. This is not for our, our village, our city, our town. 
this um, regressive trying to take a chunk out of the labor movement by moving uh, Bruce Rauner's anti-worker ordinances, get out of here with it. And like you said, now we're here four years later and we have anti-right-to-work legislation moving. And just so everybody understands, if you're listening at home and you don't know what right-to-work is, it's not what it says it is. It's bad news. It's it's trying to it's it's trying to create the situation where unions have to re- represent people who don't even who don't pay dues, trying to erode the power of the collective voice in, in the workplace. And you know, if you were if it was applied to anything else, the Republicans would come out screaming and yelling that this isn't fair. You can't provide services without being being paid for them. Um, and I I should also point out that I think in a number of the some of the larger municipalities, uh, while the organizing of the labor movement was obviously very evident, I recall, and I'll bring this up specifically because I just happened to be talking to the mayor of, and the, still the current mayor of Naperville, uh, Steve Shuriko, uh, just after Governor Rauner came to them. And uh, Mayor Shuriko said to me, well, we have to listen to him because he's the governor, but we get along fine with our unions. I'm not going to mess with that. <laughs> and he, 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 said, he said, nobody here wants to do that. So he said, you know, it wasn't even that they had to come and ask him. He said, we have a great relationship with our labor force here. And having them to talk to when we have a problem is better for, for, for the city than not. Yeah, and one of the other responses was going, we started going municipality by municipality, moving anti-right-to-work zone legislation, similar to what you're now seeing being moved at the state level. We were moving them municipality by municipality as a response to what Governor Rauner was doing. In fact, the city of Chicago passed uh, one of these ordinances. Mm. Uh, let what is a troubling sign for you right now as you look at either the city's uh, landscape or uh, Springfield? So, right now we're lining up behind this um, fair tax initiative. Ninety-seven percent of Illinoisans are going to get a tax break, and the people on the other side of the debate are so obstinate and they're so concerned about protecting um, millionaires and the people who fund them that they're now coming up with ridiculous arguments like, well, Governor Pritzker says it only, it raises $3.4 billion. We really think it's somewhere just over $2 billion. Okay, guess what? Let's take that $2 billion then and put it into uh, much-needed state resources. So the the people at, you know, I've been told that I shouldn't be carrying the opponent's message or even really talking about them, but these... these <laughs> well, but these, people are seeing the commercials, they're, they're, yeah, on, these, they're online. Yeah, these people at the Illinois Policy Institute, they, they come up with these ridiculous arguments. And what what I see as the challenge that we have not only here, but across the country is having to continually fight this misinformation campaign that's really not about protecting uh, people who identify themselves as libertarians or anything like that. These policies are really trying to protect people like the Koch brothers, like the Bruce Rauners, people who want to protect their own pocketbook and their ability 
to run, try to run the table on the average American uh, worker. And their, their campaign and assault on us hasn't stopped. Now, we've done a good job of fighting back here in Illinois, and I think Governor J.B. Pritzker did a good job of fighting, fighting off Bruce Rauner and now pushing for something that makes a ridiculous amount of sense, right? Getting a tax break for 97% of those people who live in Illinois, I think that's a pretty good, I think that's a pretty good deal. What are the priorities for the CFL aside from fair tax, either in, in state government or if there is there is there something that you are uh, wanting to see the Chicago City Council do? And I know there is at least one uh, bill that we are or ordinance that is going to be up uh, on Monday. In fact, yeah. So let's start with the state level. How we need to start working on restoring government and repairing the damage that Bruce Rauner did for four years. He um, underfunded agencies. He um, pushed them away from their core mission of protecting people in this state. We need to rebuild. We need to rebuild government so that it serves serves the people, and that's going to be no easy task. When someone wreaks as much havoc as Bruce Rauner did for four years, it's not going to be fixed in one legislative term or in someone's first 90 days. It's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take a lot of people pulling together. At the city and county level, we're continuing to um, push ordinances and policies that um, protect working people. The ordinance that you're alluding to is this fair work week ordinance which you know our polling tells us that people uh, in the city are very supportive of and that's to put rationality into their scheduling and we're going through the process of working working through that ordinance now to get to get um, a piece of legislation in front of the city council uh, this coming week that um, will help move will help protect workers in the city from um, the scheduling abuses they suffer from their um, from their employers. And uh, let me ask you about that because just before uh, you and I sat down together, I talked with uh, uh, Tanya Trish Daywood, who is uh, an official with the Illinois uh, Retail Merchants Association, who, who says there are some things that are in that ordinance that they completely agree with. They agree with a two-week uh, advance warning of schedules. They agree with... Um, a number of other protections there, but they say having it apply to all employers as opposed to the employers in the businesses like hospitality and restaurants, uh, retail, uh, is a problem because some of the other businesses might be forced out or, or uh, you know, or it might be a hardship for them. It's out of respect for Tanya. I don't know if she shared with you the various industries that we have been working with outside of the hospitality uh, industry in terms of working through specific issues. We've done that with a number of industries. I mean, we did it with uh, some of the industries. I think she alludes to having some necessity for coverage, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've, we've worked with, uh, we've worked with the restaurant industry. We've worked with the uh, um, travel 
uh, the the hotel and lodging industry and a, a number of others to try to get to a place where we can get something that, you know, folks feel like there's been a dialogue. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that is going to be the final word. That's Robert Ryder, the president of the Chicago Federation of Labor, for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 